Thanks for tuning in to episode 111. This is the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. I am Josh Roop. I need to remember to announce myself. <laughs> and my co-captain with me, as always. Scott Larson. And Scott, it's funny that you got that message that like I need to int- – it's funny because I've never thought about introducing myself. Right. And it wasn't until recently, until like, yeah, I don't know, about 20 episodes ago. I'm like, oh, I probably should say who my name is too. Right. Well, I just want all the glory. It's fine. It's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I just assume everyone knows who I am. So if you – it sounds like Foo Fighters are getting lined up to start hitting the, the line here in July. Uh, there's still some Iron Maiden pros. I picked one up, as you can see there in the corner if you're watching us on YouTube. An amazing game. Scott, where do you get all your games from? Uh, flipping out pinball. And absolutely. And guess what is coming um, soon? I just got the shipping notice. It's my Godzilla topper. Oh, I was going to say Venom? <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, so I got the Narwhal topper coming. But I've heard nice. that it looks a lot better in person. So even though I've been a little frustrated with uh, their topper efforts... I am excited to see this one because the I, I am a sucker for light shows and I'm sucker for the immersion experience. So I still have, I, I got my rush topper too. So nice. I got, I, it, it's, it's two for toppers. So I got my rush topper and I got my Godzilla topper and uh, got it from uh, Zach and Nicole mini at flipping out pinball. Nice. You got You got to order from flipping out. They've got plenty of stock and they're willing to, to, to work with you on what your needs are and whatnot. They're great to work with. Absolutely. I've never had any issues with them. So let's move on to our guest. Our guest contacted me. I want to say it's been a couple months ago. And at first I didn't know if it was real or not because (laughs) you get fake emails every once in a while. And they're like, you know, the prince of Saudi Arabia wants to give you money. So wait, wait, that's a fake. (laughs) (laughs) We, we had someone reach out wanting to discuss pinball. Because they do the 99% Invisible podcast. We got talking. They left a phone number. And I figure if they're brave enough to leave a phone number, I better call it. So <laughs> I met Martin Gonzalez. And we started kicking it off and talking a lot. And he he was a fan of the L1 episodes we'd done. And he was doing a bit of research for the 99% Invisible podcast. And it sounds like you have a ton of behind-the-scenes extra info that you weren't able to... You know, you have only like 30 minutes to do this episode. And so oh, we wanted yeah. you to come on and come hang out with us and talk about this. Yeah, even, half that even because uh, it was half and half. We re- re-ran an older episode and then I did some new stuff. And uh, it was about Roger Sharp. And so when I first started working the show, uh, you know, I found this story about Roger Sharp. And I was like, oh, this would be an awesome story. This would be so cool. And then I did what I always do when I have a story idea, which is I type in 99PI and then the story thing so i typed in 99 pi pinball and it popped right up i was like ah, they did it 10 years ago of course like it's like one of the oldest running like podcasts from when you know people were first trying to get into podcasts and so what i did is the first half i used the roger sharp movie as a, uh, an excuse to be like okay we'll rerun this old one and i uh i mix the show every week so i gave it a fresh mix put some new music on there just spruced it up a little and then Second half, uh, I did, uh, you know, I interviewed Keith. I talked about my turn and stuff. But yeah, I only had, I think, like 12 minutes for my segment. So I really had to pack a lot in there. And I knew I wanted to talk to Keith, but I I just like couldn't find an email address. You know, like I think by design, I'm sure. (laughs) But uh, I was like emailing whatever stern generic emails I could find. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, well, these guys had them on. They'll be able to get me in touch. And you guys put me in touch uh, and you know we had this great interview but uh 
you know, it was like we talked for an hour and I pulled maybe like five or six clips of him. I was like, oh, there's so much good stuff I, I can't put in. Yeah. But yeah, I I really uh, appreciated the help. And, uh, you know, I I played a little clip of you guys also saying like, oh, he's he's the goat. Like I, I put a montage of people saying he's the goat because I tried to get him to say. Yeah, to he, no, he won't. He, he won't. He would yeah, not. He so won't. I was like, all right, I got to pull some other people calling him the goat. <laughs> we we actually have a shirt on our, so silver ball swag. If you want to get loser kid stuff, we actually made a funny shirt that has Keith as the, as a goat, a cartoon goat <laughs> wearing, wearing this hat that I'm wearing right now, the old nice. school hat. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, just for fun, but it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And then Josh and I ended up just getting on this free ranging conversation. Cause uh, you know, it's like, I'm, a, I used to be a music guy before I was doing podcasts. I was like touring around with bands, like doing sound. I talked about this a little on the episode, but like I'd use like the, I think it was called pin finder or like, is that separate from pinball map? I don't know. Pin, it, uh, there was yeah, like, a, this is like 10 years ago. There was like a pretty yeah. bare bones. I think it was called mm -hmm. pin finder. And there was uh, a pin map. I know for sure. Like pinball map too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I use pinball map now and I, I, I can't remember if it's the same app or something different, but um, I was touring with uh, blitz and trapper, this Portland band when I was living there. And one of the guitar players is super into pinball. It's just like a huge thing in Portland. So we'd go mm -hmm. cruise around every city, try and like find one and you'd be like, Oh, Louisville, Kentucky has like a lot of cool machines because they had like all this bootlegging and gambling and stuff. So like, oh, what a great hotspot, you know, so we just cruise around and try and like play. And then, yes, yeah, we're doing podcasts just before the pandemic. I was working on Rick Rubin's show before Malcolm Gladwell, and I've been working in Niampia for like a year and a half. But yeah, before that, uh, like up until then, I was a music guy. So Josh and I were like vibing about music and like just talking about yeah. that like his his uh touring days too yeah <laughs> which was very short but it, it was still fun do you would you guys do warp tour i forget what you told me or was it warp tour or we we did get to play uh, a couple dates but it wasn't a nice. full tour it was uh but we i actually was the was the dad of the group so <laughs> you know i was on the booking the shows and doing all that stuff and so it, it kind of got i don't know you can only be a dad for so long because it's like Okay, children, <laughs> I'm done. Oh, yeah, that was my job too. Whenever I tour, there were a few times where I would be like, I'm like 27, but this band is 23 or 24, and I'm like yeah. wrangling people who are partying or whatever. It just like got so exhausting. But I did a lot yeah. of touring with older bands. Like uh, I toured with Calexico a lot, who are all like older guys, and it's like much chiller. Yeah. Listen, Trapper, those guys were older, you know, so it's, it was a mixture. But yeah, being a tour dad is like so exhausting. And, you know, well, that's weird because, oh, yeah. like you said, you did ten years ago, and I—that's about when I did. It was about 10, 15 years ago, and it's like it almost feels like a different world from back then, especially when you move on with life and whatnot. Oh yeah, it just—it's—it's it's weird. Just yeah, yeah. It's like I used to drive for like six hours a day, and now I just like click on Pro Tools all day, which is like fun too, and like I get to research cool stuff and do cool stories. But yeah, and, and you know, when we were talking about podcast stuff, and like it, podcasting, I think is a similar place to music, where like you're trying to get the like the money there's a lot of money but it's in weird places and maybe you right. can chip off a little piece of it but like it's just, there's like such a divide um so i feel really lucky like we're part of sirius xm and we're like well funded and we've been around forever so there's like you know it's it's like stable and nice but like oh my god my old job just laid off like 20 percent of their workforce there's like layoffs and wow. so yeah. podcasting is this in this really chaotic space and um you know i the stuff i do is like 
dense research, sound design, whatever. And but what I listen to a lot is more like what you guys are doing, where it's just like a couple of people chatting, having a nice time. Like, and it's like a lot easier. Like, I think the whole thing is moving more in that direction because it's like we spend months on a story and it's mm -hmm. resource intensive. And so there's only so many shows that can do that. Like, you know, every story we do goes through like five or six rounds of edits of everyone on staff weighing in. And there's like 13 or 14 of us. And like, you know, it's, it's very elaborate. And this is like, Oh, you guys can just call each other up and call someone like, I'm jealous of how easy this is. <laughs> What's funny is like, so I went to Puerto Rico in January and we were doing this like food tour and we got to revolve around through the couples that were there on the tour. We met a gentleman that worked for NPR and oh. He was actually working for CNN when the towers got hit. Oh and my he god! Remembers doing that, and then he also came to Utah and covered the Emily Smart story. Which, yeah. if you're not familiar with that, go ahead and I guess Google it. It was it was pretty intense for us in Utah at that time. It was kind of like a shocker. We went from like a you know everyone left their doors unlocked to like this could actually happen because it was in our backyard. Uh, it was a child kidnapping. Anywho, but he was talking about he worked. He works now for. The very first, it's like PBS. It's the channel mm -hmm. actually Sesame Street, Sesame Street started out on before it went to PBS. Mm. But they figured out during the pandemic that this format is a lot cheaper to run. People actually want to watch it. And they were finding out like they're spending all this money on cameras and all this like high definition equipment. And you got us doing this off of our, like my, this is my cell phone and yeah. my laptop. And they were realizing, oh, we, we don't need to be spending all this money on equipment and still we can get a good product that people are going to watch. And so well, yeah. COVID really shifted the mindset of, of how production should happen as well. And to be fair, like the equipment that we have now is crazy good compared to what it was <laughs> even like five, 10 years ago. I, yes, Very you're right. I, I'm talking on a newer microphone and a newer computer, but I'm this kind of stuff would be crazy expensive 20 yeah. years ago. Well, I'm here in Stitcher's studios, which are quite nice. It's a it's a real luxury to be able to like record in this like nice booth and sound good. And you know, we I engineer recordings for other podcasts, and then also I I mix ours, and it just like sounds incredible in here. But you know, yeah, there's there's room for everything. It's like I listen to a lot of movie. I'm a big movie guy, so I listen to a lot of movie podcasts and stuff. It's like after all day of mixing these like dense, intense stories that are like very rich and like deep. Then I'm like, oh, I kind of just want to hear a couple of people talk about movies afterwards, yeah. you know, <laughs> so there's room for everything, but definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I admire what you guys do. It's so labor intensive. I mean, if you haven't checked out 99% invisible podcast, it is very well produced. You guys do an awesome job with it. And hey, it, it hooked me listening to the, when I called you because I was like, oh, I don't know if I've, I hadn't even heard of 99%. I'm not going to lie. And oh, so I listened to the mm -hmm. most recent episode was, which was on about like, two people saws those things you like oh yeah you don't see it ever anymore yeah, yeah. it's like a and, looney tunes thing two people yeah, it's, like, it's a pioneer thing yeah yeah pioneers. but it was interesting because like listening to this episode you would have never known that they were getting stolen off the walls of <laughs> cracker barrels because there's places where they can't use chainsaws but they can still use these saws to chop down trees mm -hmm. and so no one was making them anymore so the best place you could do was steal them from Cracker Barrel. Like, wow. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our whole thing is we try and find stuff where it's like, hey, there's this thing that you haven't thought about 
but it, there actually is like a whole history behind it. That's why it's 99% visible. So, you know, I've been here for like a year and a half, but I've been listening to this show for like years and years. It's like really influential to me. And so it's cool because then I bring my own perspective and I really like, you know, yeah, old films have these like really cool distinctive sound effects. So I get to like put cool sound effects on it. So like if you listen to this pinball episode, there's like a lot of cool, you know, I'll go find I was like, let me find the era of pinball machine that he would have been that Roger Sharp would have been mm -hmm. playing. Let me use yeah. that specific one. And then our composer Swan, I sent her these pinball sounds and she like cut them up, made some samples and she gave it kind of like a little T-Rex Jeepster kind of like fun little garagey groove and then like use the pinball sounds as like synth and percussion on it. Yeah. And like, it's just so fun. We have like so much fun doing it. <laughs> so cool but yeah so when i saw this uh roger sharp movies coming out i was like oh this is a perfect excuse to like get super nerdy and like i've always been super into pinball but then this kind of like uncorked a different level uh you know of like going and playing a lot and like talking to people but i'm still like such a novice and i don't really keep up on stuff that much it's really just like you know i listen to you guys i listen to silverball chronicles which is like more history stuff but like i don't know i don't yeah. like go on pin side and on these long threads or something it's like i i, I don't really keep too we much up on it. <laughs> I, okay i, I, I hop on i'm gonna get you guys but yeah, yeah true i'm gonna get you guys in trouble <laughs> there's gonna be a thread about how rude this all Man. is but um bring it on <laughs> yeah it's like I'll, I'll kind of find out that something's coming because it's, it like shows up on location yeah and, um, no i you get know. you but yeah, so I got to get deep in stuff. And then I, you know, hadn't even like heard of Keith until like, you know, a few months ago, because I was just researching like who designers were and everything. And I heard him on your guys podcast. And he was talking about that, like pop bumper in the right on the right and like being in control versus being out of control. I was like, oh, I just like love this. Like, I got to get the I got to talk to this guy about this. And at, when I when we're doing edits, everyone just like was like, we love this guy. <laughs> he rolls. I was like, yeah, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And he actually really helped me figure something like, you know, just like talking to him. He talked about how there's two kinds of players, like people who like to just shoot around and have a nice time, check out all the objectives and people who are like points. And I was like, oh, that's why I like am mm -hmm. not that great in tournaments and stuff because I just want to like vibe and shoot. Like I'm, I don't want to like figure out how to get the highest score possible it's like not really how I'm set up. I don't know. Is how, how how do you guys fit into that like category? Okay, I'm I'm like you, where I I like just kind of wandering through the yeah. game. Okay, hey, I'll I'll start this mode or I'm doing this thing, and I couldn't care less about points. I mean, it's kind of fun when you yeah. enter in your initials, but for the most part, I I just like exploring the mm -hmm. game. Yeah, but. You know, it's hard to do that in a tournament setting, but I don't, I don't know, Josh. I, I don't even know how you approach games. Uh, depends on the day. <laughs> I love both ways. I do love to explore a game and see all the little nooks and crannies like on Indiana Jones where you're going through the mine mm -hmm. cart video mode. If you if you go a certain route, it will actually pop you out to the WB yeah, frog yeah. <laughs> and he does a little song and dance for you. It's cool to find little Easter eggs like that. I love exploring the games, but there's just something about blowing up a game and just being like, yeah, I dropped 5 billion on Godzilla this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you got, <laughs> I, I really see one in your well. background. You can do that. I, I think yep. 
I don't know. I have to look at my insider, but I think my best score is like 500 million or something like that. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't had a billion or like you have an infinity quest back there too. I don't think I've gotten more than one gem in a game ever. And I've played it dozens of times. It's actually still, that's, that game is surprisingly challenging. It still is fun, but to, to actually complete the modes, I, you know, there's, there's two easies, two hard, middle and one hard. Yeah. And so a lot of times I, I end up getting about 85% through in that. <laughs> drain. that that's just, that, that's just how I roll on that. Yeah. Game. But it's super fun. It's so deep. Like, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I can only ever play these games on location. Like I live in Brooklyn. I live in an apartment. Like I can't, <laughs> like I can't get a home game. And so, you know, I have to like go play them and you only get so much time and you only have so many dollars, yeah. you know, it starts to add up. So you know, unless if you're Kate Martin, you know, who has works at Buttermilk Bar there in Brooklyn <laughs> and can play the pinball machines when there's some downtime. Yeah, ex- I I really love Buttermilk. There's like a whole area around there, the whole like south part of Park Slope where you can just bar hop around and go try stuff. And like, you know, I, I go up to Williamsburg a lot, too, but I don't know how prices are in other places, but it's pretty solidly a dollar a game in like a lot of parts of New York, mm-hmm. which is a little annoying. But like. You know, down in South Slope, it's more typically, you know, you get three for two or or four for three or something. Yeah. So I go practice yeah. down where it's like a little cheaper. You're like, oh, I, I can I can get a lot more bang for my buck down <laughs> practicing over here. But uh, yeah, no, New York is like weirdly kind of tough in a lot of ways, especially now I've noticed it's like whatever the last three or four stern games are is like what's everywhere and yeah. which makes sense but the older games are kind of like falling off you know and you, you it, there's one lord of the rings and it's like just beat to hell like it barely plays mm-hmm. you know okay well it's 20 it's it's over 20 years old. oh to- no it's, totally yeah mm-hmm. it's like if i was an operator yeah. i would be like all right let's get some boo fighters in here or something you know but uh yeah I, I i definitely miss like playing some of that older stuff that's like kind of what i came up on and there's this really great place in uh you know i grew up in providence rhode island and my parents still live there uh and there's a great pinball museum there that i absolutely love called electromagnetic and i go there all the time so i was just there a week Mm -hmm. or two ago and i just have like a soft spot for some of these older ones that they have like you know they have whodunit you guys like whodunit mm-hmm. yes i love whodunit but you yeah. never see i there was a place in you, you don't see it yeah anymore. there was a place yeah. in portland across the street from a, a bar i worked at and i would just go play whodunit all the time and like you know i want to see them take some of these old games and do remakes like they did with beatles you know my dream is yeah. if they do like a columbo reskin of whodunit that's like my dream <laughs> table yes and you know the ball save could be like just one more thing so like Whoever mm-hmm. owns the IP, if you're more. listening, make my dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, and there's there's something about those older games, too. Someone pointed out to me, especially with the 90s games, they were attempting instead of like shoot the ramp and shoot the captive ball. It was like, especially with whodunit. Oh, the like, elevator. You know, yeah, go for the elevator. Yeah. And like it was all places. The places had names in the mm-hmm. game and it, it, it created more atmosphere to that mm. game and more of that world under glass that we don't see much anymore, but it does become a little confusing. It's easier when you're going from game to game to game. And it's like, shoot the ramps. Oh, I know yeah. what the ramps are. 
you know, it's, it's a little hard sometimes. You're like, what's the elevator? But at least in that game, it's like smack dab right in the middle. It's like, well, right. I think I, know <laughs> I, think I like, can figure that out. And like, yeah. you know, they also have a lot of like, you know, they go all the way back to like, you know, 40s or 50s. They have like cool older stuff. But the last time I was there, I got really into some like Gottlieb. I don't know the difference between the system 80s, but like they're and there's like A's and B's and whatever. I'm, I'm not that deep on it. You know, yeah. even, I listen mm-hmm. to Silver Ball Chronicles, but a lot of it went over my head. But like um, they have this <laughs> block that has a uh, Mars God of War volcano and black hole all three together. Yes. And I like spent mm-hmm. a long time on those. And I was like, these are so fun. And they're not oh, like, yeah. you know, the theme is just like a fun like it, it doesn't have to be like IP. It's just like, I don't know, space. Right. Like I, I love those those ones. I, I will say it's, it, we've talked about this on the show before, though, is that that is really cool for the 70s, 80s and maybe even the 90s. It is it's almost a killer for a game to not have some sort of recognizable mm-hmm. theme now. Like you can get away with it, but it's a lot harder than, you know, than the the 70s through 90s, which you would get just casual people mm-hmm. going through and playing arcades, yeah. but you almost need to have a reason to get up from your, from your, your bar stool and go mm-hmm. over to play it. If you see Godzilla, then you're like, Oh, okay. I know what Godzilla is. If you're like giant radioactive lizard, you're probably not going to go over <laughs> to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it's also like, look at like one of the highest selling pinball machines of all time was spirit of 76. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, was, but that's, all, just like, that's a completely different era though. I know, but that's what I'm saying is like you could get away with that in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Even like Roger Sharp said, it's kind of funny that we say that like Adam's family is the greatest selling pinball machine of all time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, no, it's like the greatest modern, like modern DMD because some of those EMs were selling Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, ridiculous numbers. They said that Spirit of 77 probably is the highest. I can't Mm -hmm. remember how that one has. I bet Pinside has something on it. It was a crazy one. But getting back to what you were saying, though, is a lot of locations, they tend toward having the newer Mm -hmm. games. That's actually how it always used to be because Mm -hmm. games used to be beat to shreds. And so you'd put them on location and they would just run the wheels off and then they would sell it off to buy a new one because everything was so grooved or just worn down. And so... And even modern games have that similar vibe where you know, someone can route it and then say, okay, well, time to move on and get the, get a newer version so I don't have as much. Oh, up. man. Yeah, there's already the there's a lot fewer Avengers than there were like a few. They all got replaced mm-hmm. with Bonds and Foo Fighters because they're probably just all beat up. Yep. And like, yep. I have a real soft spot for Batman 66 and there's like not a single one in New York. Yes. And it's, you know, what, five really? years, six years old or something like it's yeah, not yeah, very yeah. old, but it's just mm-hmm. like they get these things get cycled out so fast. Oh, yeah. Well, and Batman 66 is kind of a higher price machine mm-hmm. as well. I think well, it, it was. was. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. Yeah, it, it was like five oh, years this ago. crazy seven hundred dollars more than <laughs> what the standard ones are. But I mean, that was still when games were, you know, a, a premium game was like sixty two hundred mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, so they're like uh, seven thousand for a game. Mm-hmm. Now it's like. Okay, you want a premium game? It's ninety five. Yeah, I have a soft spot because yeah. I used to play. I again, a lot of this is just based around like what was across the street from where I worked or went to right. college, you know. So they had um, a dark night near another place I worked in Portland, and I just that's like nice. I've logged so many hours on that. And when I was just in Providence, there's a place that has like a completely everything new dark night. It was like the best dark night I've played in like mm-hmm. ten years, and I was like, yes, because. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, those those things are all like be- the anytime I've seen one in the wild, it's like fairly functioning. Yeah. They're shredded. So this is yeah. totally rebuilt. Yeah. And like I was like, oh, I'm in heaven right now. So, you know, but yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of games I would love to play, but there's not a single one, you know, like the closest Doctor Who is in like Asbury Park, you know, and I'm, I love Doctor mm-hmm. Who and Jackbot like you know you can't find them anywhere so it's like that's mm-hmm. my that's my hope is some of these you know you you start to see them coming back a little bit there's like uh there's a future spa somewhere there's weirdly like lots of i actually have one of those in oh my really town. it's a very interesting yeah, game it's yeah. a vibe man yeah. There's a uh, there's like weirdly a lot of getaway high speed too. I've like really been playing. Yes. They made tons of yeah. Those. They're everywhere, oh, which is rad. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's for some reason maybe it's just like easy upkeep. But uh, I play that one a lot. Okay. By the way, that. that's the same designer who did Star Wars. We were talking about that earlier. Oh. Maybe offline. Oh yeah, yeah. And you were wondering who designed the stern Star Wars. It's the same guy who did high speed. Oh too. nice. Yeah. Okay. There's I don't really know the distinctions of designers, but every once in a while I go like, oh, yeah, Jackbot has the same kind of the mechanism as the time expander. Oh, of course, it's like the same guy. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. I'm like just starting to learn about all that stuff. But like you guys are so much. Deep. I was excited to come on and talk about some of the stuff. Cause I'm like, oh, you can like, explain. Yes. This to me. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know hardly anything, but yeah, you know, it's but it's it is weird. It's like there's what is or isn't there like there's a lot of monster bashes around it's which is kind of right especially the remake is around but like i think Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier about how like people are hoarding their medieval madness and there's like one or two in new york and they kind of like they're originals and they just need a lot of upkeep so it's really like catches catch can there's there's a kind of abundant attack from mars but weirdly like medieval madness it's a little stingy so yeah no it's a little weird in new york i kind of like use pinball map and keep an eye out while i'm traveling and i'm like I'm a real annoying and vigilant pinball map person because I'm like going to seek out machines. It's like, oh, I'll go to Queens just because they have like a better Tales of Arabian Nights than the one at Buttermilk. No offense. Sorry. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> Love you, you know, yeah, exactly. like they have like a pristine one yeah. up in Queens. But then if I go all the way there and it's like broken, I'm so annoyed. So I'm like vigilant mm-hmm. about on pinball map, like commenting. On, I'm so pedantic about it. Because like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's happened to me where I've been like, I'm going to travel for a game and it barely works. So, um, you know, I'm pretty, pretty active on there. And I spent a lot of time just cruising around like, you know, I'm doing some traveling this fall and I was like scoping out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be in Portland. Like, you know, who has a, a, you know, Lord of the Rings in good condition or something I can go play because we'll mm-hmm. stop for it, you know. I kind of miss those days. I remember those days when I first got into pinball and it was like, you'd find out about, well, it was new to you, right? And you'd be like, oh, this is just, this is amazing. And so you had to do travel and, and you know, you, you finally get there and then it was just garbage. <sighs> yeah. You know, it just wasn't cool. So yeah. it, it was, it's so fun learning those games. And, and I think that's why we get so excited by new games is because we want that same sensation when we first got mm-hmm. the hobby of enjoying the, the whodunits yeah. and the the congos and and, and games like but that yeah it's really it's tough if you can only ever play on location like i just played godfather for the first time and you know i played for 20 or 30 minutes i was like i'm not entirely certain what's going on here yet like when mm-hmm. they're that deep it's that trade-off we were talking about about like what works at home versus what works on location 
And so those older games are fun because you can kind of get the hang of it pretty quickly. You play Attack from Mars for a little bit. You know what you're doing. You know what you're trying you to go it. for. Well, they also had the lights on the play field that pretty much like if you hit that shot, it moved up mm-hmm. one light. And so you had a visual representation of how far are you in the yeah. game? I mean, modern games are they have a similar thing, but it's just not as in yeah. your face. And actually, this is something I talked to Keith about because we're like theoretically a design podcast or like that's our focus. And so I was asking him a lot mm-hmm. of questions about design and I was like, yeah, man, these screens like a lot of times I think there's a few like these Jersey Jacks or, you know, where you kind of are struggling to figure out how like what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. Um, and so he was like, yeah, you know, we're mo- we're trying to balance lights and screen because the the lights and the call outs really are like you don't have to take your eyes off the play field but it's it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know no offense to like tesla owners but you know i tried out a tesla and it was like everything's on this screen and you have to look it, it's over. a different yeah. way and I, yeah. I spent years like driving a tour van where it's like oh i can reach over and adjust the air and the music and whatever without looking so it's that kind of like mm-hmm, divided yeah. attention thing so I think that's why I've been vibing on these older games lately because they just like had to communicate with lights and sound. They didn't, they couldn't lean as heavily on the screen. And then, you know, now in the modern era, you can just put wherever on there and, and you play in clips and stuff. And so sometimes you're playing Bond or something, you're like, do I need to watch this clip or do I need to like focus <laughs> on the game? Mm-hmm. Like, um, always focus. I, I had always that with focus. Halloween. Have you guys played Halloween? Yes. We were like, that's you're, what I was just you're thinking just, too. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm looking at this cool Michael Myers. And then it like drops the ball where you're not looking. You're like, drains you. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a little light. It doesn't, it just like flashes really discreetly. You're like, ah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking too. Cause when I was playing Halloween and it's like, you're watching the scene. All of a sudden it's like, why is my oh, you drained. Yeah. racking up? Yeah. Yeah. What? You can't do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Halloween messes with my brain because it spontaneous, you know, the, the ball just apparates. Yeah. You know, it just, it just appears right above the flipper and if you're not paying attention you're yeah. smart oh it's so yeah. fun though but yeah you got you gotta stay on it but i i really like the way that they do the locks is so cool and the upper play but like i really yeah. like it but it kind of i think it it pretty much disappeared from new york but there's um the uh is it ultraman the kind of the kaiju mm-hmm. reskin i go play that the the, the version yeah of it, that yeah. one's super fun too so i i go play that sometimes but um yeah it's just yeah. really like catch a sketch can you know whatever i whatever i can find and so it it's so different from like when I was living in Portland where you're like, oh, every bar has been by like I kind of miss that yeah. aspect of it. But there's a few good spots like I, I went to Sunshine Laundry, which just reopened, but it seems like they're having like some kind of legal permitting issues. So they can only have, I think, like four or five machines. Yeah, yeah. It's such a bummer because you're like, well, of course, if you can only pick four or five, you're going to pick these newer Sterns that earn. But. Right. You know, I know they have a deep collection that's not out. And I'm like, ah, let, you know, pull out some of these older games, please. <laughs> yeah, we were actually talking to Greg Pavarelli about that at Sunshine Shine Laundry mm-hmm. Mat and just kind of the issues they've been going through with that. But it sounds like they're they're open for good yeah. now. It just seemed like it seemed they were getting shut down almost yeah. every yeah. month there for that's a second. New York, but... man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, I also I wanted to make sure that I told you guys uh, this uh, story. Speaking of stuff that we had to cut out from the episode, we had this whole subplot. Speaking of living in Portland about these mob wars in Portland. And it was like so interesting. And it just was like too many ideas. You know, I I had this short segment. And so it was like "Ah, something's got to go. 
And so I want to tell you guys, you know, Mayor LaGuardia in New York was like, oh, there's all this like mob pinball stuff. And it's easy to kind of go like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of an overreaction, a little melodramatic. But then you like you hear about some of these stories and you're like, oh, the mob was really like pin pinball was a mob thing. And um, Portland yeah. has this history because it was, you know, part town of like gambling, prostitution, like a lot of like vice. It's like a big was a big vice city always. And so I'm I'm guessing that's why pinball has just kind of always been around. But um you know, this this story I want to tell you guys is from the 50s. And, you know, it was it was theoretically illegal in Portland, too, back then. Just like a lot of cities had bands. Chicago, like the epicenter mm -hmm. of pinball today, like it was illegal there, too. So it kind of like went underground and became like fully criminal. And there are a couple competing mob bosses, uh, Stan Terry and this guy, Big Jim Elkins, which I'm a sucker for like, <laughs> you know, that's like a great, Big yeah, great mob name. Um, but so they uh, they got into this turf war and they would like do raids and like steal each other's machines or steal the money out of them or sabotage <laughs> them. You know, it was like a like real like mob style. So then in 1955, Big Jim roped in the Teamsters who like you know, I'm extremely pro union, but there was this era where the Teamsters were basically like a mob enforcers. Yeah, exactly. They were enforcers, yeah. yeah. And so uh, they came up with this scheme and they made a phony union called Coin Machine Men of Oregon. And so they had a, a few different tactics, uh, but one of them was, you know, they would do a picket around the bars that that Stamp Terry had. And, you know, people would be like, oh, I'm not going to cross the picket line. So it was just like a lot of kind of shenanigans. And so finally, Terry called in some connections via Las Vegas, and they put some pressure on the Seattle Teamsters who were coordinating with the Portland ones. And so then the Teamsters kind of like pulled their support from the coin machine men and were turning these pickets and boycotts back around on Big Jim and like squeezed them out. You know, it's just like kind of like this uh, little tug of war. And so Big Jim came up with this plan. He was like, oh, I got to get try and get my machines back or get back in the game. So he hired this guy named Herman Bugsy Burns, which uh, when's the last time you met a Bugsy? You know, <laughs> like another yeah, great yeah. mob mob name. So uh, they Bugsy and his uh, gang posed as pinball repairmen, or this was the plan. They were going to pretend to be <laughs> pinball repairmen, and they would go to the bars with, with Stan Terry's machines and go, yeah, we're going to swap these out for some new ones. We're going to load these up uh, to make some room, and the truck's coming in an hour with like the new machines, which in the 50s, like you could, you could probably get away with that. You know? <laughs> probably get away yeah, with that. Oh, a right. a yeah, switch, exactly. Yeah. There's no... Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, sounds okay, good. Yeah. All right, let me know. <laughs> so they had this whole plan in place and you know big jim was kind of like waiting for the right time to strike and you know bugsy was like oh you know i gotta do some crimes i'm a crime guy and so while they were waiting for the plan to take effect they went and robbed a safeway which is like a grocery store i don't know if you guys have mm -hmm. them or if it's regional but yeah. yeah so they were they went and robbed a safeway and got busted as they yeah. would, right? Just hanging out. What, what yeah. are you doing? Let's go rob rob us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, we, or, sorry, safe. Yeah, we got to do some crimes. So. We were crime guys, and uh, so mm. big. You know, that was kind of the end of Big Jim's scheme. And so uh, 
you know, this this all took place over like a year or two. And so he actually wiretapped the Teamsters and he turned the recordings over to the FBI and the local newspaper. And it had, you know, this whole like racketeering union thing. So he was able to like get off. And um, it was a big deal. There was like a couple years of like Senate hearings about Portland mob. And then, you know, there was a, there was a big election where they were like, we're going to clean up the mob. And it just kind of like these pinball wars, like had all these repercussions. So you're like, Oh, this actually was like really central to the story of the mob in the Northwest. And so then it makes like Mayor LaGuardia seem a little less of like, like insane. You're like, oh, that was like a reasonable political position. Like that was a way to like take a stand against the mob. But yeah, so anyway, we just there's this whole story beat. I'm so glad I got to tell it somewhere because it was super interesting. And um, if you want to read more about it, you can Google like, you know, Big Jim Elkins. But I got a lot of this Finn J.D. John uh, wrote this article that I pulled a lot of this stuff from. So wow. you guys can, yeah, go Google if you want to learn more about the Portland mob wars. But uh, so they weren't actually using the pinball machines for gambling. They were, they were using it as like money laundering, essentially. They were using it for. Yeah, you got it. Not, I guess not necessarily money laundry, but it was, you know, you're robbing a bank essentially at that point. You've got some <laughs> yeah, yeah. going into That's, it. No, absolutely. For money laundering and also just straight up like, you know, we've got bars, we've got pinball machines, you know, it's a way to, way to just make money. It's yeah. the Willie. It's the Willie Sutton yeah. model. Like, why do you break into pinball machines? Because that's what the money <laughs> exactly. Is. And yeah. you know, like, yeah, at that point sure. they had flippers and everything. It, it, you know, yeah. like we we're saying, it wasn't just pure gambling. But I'm sure at first it was like, oh yeah, here's like the that earlier more gambling style. But you know, yes. Yeah, okay. So by the way, that whole story sounds like a an episode from Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yes, it totally does. I've never played the game, and I'm like. Yeah, you're the mob guy and you need to go play with the pinball. <laughs> oh yeah, go machines. raid the machines, you know. Yeah. Go raid the machines. See, okay, here's your here's your quest. Go steal the machines. <laughs> Tell them that the next one's showing. Oh, yeah, the side quest for bonus you... points is you rob the Safeway, yeah. but if you get caught, you lose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it was that's... fun. And then so yeah, that's the other reason I like going to like pinball museums and stuff, because they have these older games and you can go play them and you can go, mm-hmm. man, all that fuss yeah. about this, you know. <laughs> so yep. I don't know. It's so fun, and this one that I like going to in in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Electromagnetic. They have a lot of like doubles and triples, and like, have you guys ever seen? I think you should leave. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, oh, it's no, a great Netflix show, and and Bob Odenkirk in one sketch plays his character where he's talking about having doubles and triples of all his classic cars that he doesn't own, but he's like, yeah, you know. Doubles is good because then you can put one in your garage and drive the other, but like triples is best. And this is total like triples is best. Like there's some of these 70s, 60s, and 70s machines. They have like two or three. They have like a Star Trek that's like signed by the whole cast, you know, and then one that's more of a player's or, you know, like they have such cool stuffs and they're expanding too. So you can go play the entire history of pinball all the way up to, you know, they have Avengers and and stuff like that that's um, newer Sterns. They have some like custom ones. Someone took one of those, the Pinball 2000. I think it was like the Revenge from Mars. Is that the Pinball 2001? And yeah, they, yep. yeah, Revenge. Yeah, from they Mars. have like a custom. They made a white wood and custom programming and stuff. Um, I think it was like a Frozen theme, maybe or something. It's just super cool. Okay. DIY. I've uh, I've actually played a well, I played a homebrew ver- version of yeah. Frozen, I, this so might that be interesting. Same person mm-hmm. actually, yeah. Or was it like a, on a Pinball mm-hmm. 2000 machine? 
Yeah, it was. Very oh, this similar, has got to be the same. I think he. I think. I think he made it for his daughter or something like. Because I did talk to the designer. I can't remember. It was at Chicago. I guarantee I you, this is the same one. Because how many people yeah. made their own? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so a total cool. one off. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of love that. Or like, yeah, I was watching videos of of Keith's like Archer machine while I was researching. I was like, oh, this is just like so. It's way beyond my mechanical mm. competence to like do something like this so i just like love it and admire it you know it's like, so cool yeah definitely do you have any other wild stories you ran into while you were doing the the podcast or pretty much you know the, I, I i gotta admit oh, I, I liked at the end of the podcast you guys redoing the attack oh, for Mars. yeah that was so that was like seriously for a nerd so if you go on Internet Archive, you can download someone posted like the a ROM dump of all the sounds. And um, what we do is like at the end of uh, the episodes, not every single one, but by and large, we, you know, we give a little shout out that we're a, a Stitcher and Sirius XM uh, production. And uh, Roman would just the host would just like riff something into the mic or whatever. And then when I joined up, like I love crazy sound design and stuff. And I started getting really into like making the craziest tags at the end possible. And it would be like this 15 second joke that I would do with like sound design. And even my very first episode was about an airport in Ireland. And I like, you know, brought the episode in for a landing. It was like my first week. I made, I just did a little sound design thing of like, oh, this is your captain speaking. And I'd like airplane sounds and like I put myself over like a fake speaker and everyone's like, oh, this guy's nuts. Like he'll do anything. <laughs> so uh, I went on Internet Archive and downloaded the ROM of all the attack from Mars sounds. And there's, you know, like 500 or something. There's and I was like clicking yeah, through so trying to find all the juiciest ones and like, you know, and so then we did, you know, flying instead of flying saucers from Mars, flying saucers from Stitcher or whatever. And so it's just like mm -hmm. all these. I, I sent Roman a clip of Attack from Mars. I was like, try and do this delivery. And I, I put in like the music. Actually, I got to hear the raw music. I was like, oh, this sounds like amazing, actually. Like it, it's super lo-fi yeah. coming through the speakers. But I was like, this stuff sounds great. Like everything sounded awesome. So, yeah, we did, did that fun little clip. And yeah, I don't know. I, there was a lot of cool Keith stuff. I'm sorry, Keith, like you gave me now your time and I only like could pull a couple things, but um, there, it was so deep. And one thing I talked to him a lot uh, that I enjoyed was about collaboration. And that really resonated mm -hmm. with me because we make our show in a very, very collaborative way. It's like one of the most collaborative things I've ever been a part of. You know, one person will write a script and they've got an editor and the editor will help them shape it up. And then we do a thing where Roman and the producer will read each of their parts like a, you know, a live read and they'll play back clips and stuff and everyone will give comments and weigh in and then they'll go away and record their two parts separately and the producer will cut it in Pro Tools and edit it, put music on there and everything. And then we'll do another round where we all listen to notes and then they'll incorporate those notes and we'll do another round of notes and then they pass the episode to me and I mix it and add sound design and stuff. We'll do another round of notes. So it's like every episode we do gets touched by, you know, if there's like 13 or 14 of us, at least two thirds of the staff touch every single episode at some point. It's super collaborative. So I was asking Keith about that. I was like, you know, what, how do you collaborate? And he just gave like such deep shout outs to his whole team and kind of talked about the relationship of like, I'm designing these shots and I go to my engineer and he's like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this thing isn't mm -hmm. going to work. And so then, you know, he does that. And then 
when he's working with the programmers, you know, I talked a little about this in the episode that they can go back and tweak the code and be like, oh, let me change the objectives once I see how people play it. And um, I just like love talking to him about all this collaboration. Cause it's so, there's no way one person can be the master of like play dynamics and design and mechanical engineering and software engineering and sound and video. It's like, it takes, uh, it takes a village to make the machine. And so, you know, even though he gets credit as like the auteur, he was like, no, I wouldn't be anywhere without my team. And, I really love that vibe. Like um, I really love Barry and like Bill Hader. And he's like, oh yeah, I got this cool shot because of my like assistant director suggested it or like, oh, this camera operator did a really great zoom. So like he like refuses to take credit for the whole thing. He's like, no, it's like the sum of all the parts. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I, I felt bad. I was like, oh, I really want to include this. was just like too many things. He, he sent me a, a cool clip also there's like a crazy machine testing room where they stress test all the parts, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, yep. just solenoids firing and stuff. It's like, can you give me like yeah. a little 10 second recording of that? And it just sounded crazy. It sounded like the craziest factor factory ever. And like, I didn't have time for that either, yeah. but I was just like, Oh, this is so, so cool. Well, when we got to tour JJP, it was cool. Cause uh Godfather hadn't been revealed yet, oh. but they were testing it back in the corner. And we were all like, so can we go back? And they're like, no. Yeah, just that monster <laughs> so like, spinning. the wind just breathed through and knocked off that blanket. And we got, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's full circle. It's a real mob game. I don't know. I'm looking forward to trying it some more. But, you know, when you're doing all these like quests and stuff, I was like, oh, I kind of just want to like, shoot a little pinball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and but that was another funny part in the episode two is like, I was like, all right, I'm talking to Keith. I got to enter my first tournament. And I've just been chicken. Cause like I was saying, I'm not like a points player and I see some people playing yeah. and they're intense and like throwing the machine around or whatever. It's like, so I got kind of dragged to one and I, I had a lot of fun voice memoing my way through, like getting my butt kicked. And I just was like, mm-hmm. th- that's something I just love is if I can like, mildly embarrass myself on air i'm always willing to you know i i did a story where i took an adult this is like years ago but i I did took an adult swim lesson and i had a producer point a mic at me in the pool being like oh like i'm scared so it's like i i just like love mildly embarrassing myself on the mic and that was like pretty fun it's like yeah i just i just got threaded (laughs) okay i will say just so you know um for people who are more like you and me Martin, uh, where we actually do the uh, the play for fun, you can go to Pin Tips. So it's oh, actually yes. a website yeah. that you can actually pull up, and it does have like, hey, here are the top here are the top two things or top three things that you need to do in this game, and so that does help for people who are on the fly and just like like I just want to have a good yeah. time, but it'd be nice to have a good score too. Well, so- well, and the other part too is like when I first got into tournaments. Bo and Karen's came to Utah because we had our big, it was Salt Lake Gaming Con Mm -hmm. and it was a huge tournament. And he just happened to be in Utah at the time because of his his main job, his main job. Yeah. Yeah. His main job. And so, you know, it was intimidating having someone that was a top five, top 10 player in the world and you're playing against them. And, but the, the cool part was, is, you know, he could tell I was intimidated and he's like, well, which games haven't you played? And I was like, I've never played Starship Troopers mm. at that point. 
And he's like, okay, we'll just do these two things and just don't stress about anything else. Just keep the ball alive and do these two things. And so I've noticed, though, at tournaments, a lot of people are very willing to help. Yeah, and sure. So you just have to ask because I know that some people get offended. Like, if you're talking to someone, like, hey, you do this and yeah, this. Yeah. Like, I've played I'll this game you before. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Most people, it's it is a social thing for them. Yeah. And really, a lot of these local tournaments. I mean, come on. If if you win, you win. Bucks. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's really so minimal that Do it's not, not diminish really... my third place win that I just got. <laughs> yeah, I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying. Six I'm just not ago, saying don't open your 401k bucks, with okay? it. Yeah, I yeah. was very uh, proud. Yeah. Of it. Right. But, but what I'm saying is that for them, I mean, the whole point of these is that hey, we want to hang yeah. out with people. Yeah, you know, just people. And we've said it before. the The beautiful thing about pinball is how it's something that regardless of your political affiliation, your religious yeah. affiliation, your social affiliation, your gender affiliate, just insert whatever thing here. It doesn't matter. You can still play a game together Yeah, and coming together. Cause that's the, I think that's one thing that's really helped pinball thrive in the last five years is because we've lost that ability to connect with people. Yeah. That's, that's really the main reason I'm, even if I get my butt kicked, I'm going to like hang out, but then, you know, <laughs> I can still kind of play dumb a little bit, you know, I don't know how much longer mm -hmm. I can rock that, but of just being like, oh, I'm like new to tournaments or whatever. And, uh, you know, I made friends with in the um, episode, I played two voice memos of me getting my butt kicked by this guy, Hunter, who then I ended up just like making friends with him because I sent him a link and was like, hey, you know, I talked about you kicking my butt on the show. And then we were playing each other in Foo Fighters. And I was like, man, I'll level with you. I've played this like three times. I don't understand it. And he showed me something with like the drop targets where you like get the power mm -hmm. up things. I I, I yep. still haven't totally gotten the hang of it, but I just like hit a really nice wave. And then I, I like, I think I knocked him out. Actually, I can't remember if I knocked him out or if I just beat him, but I, I kind of like, he showed me a couple of things just like to be a nice guy. And then I just like accidentally racked up a huge score and he's like god damn it mm. <laughs> so yeah, you should have waited until after to show me but people are pretty generous with the knowledge okay but it's, it's fun yeah. though like i actually yeah. i think that he probably laughed about oh that. yeah we like, we had a that, that's what i'm guessing he's like i can't believe that i told you how to do it and then you just uh went farther in the i was game a little embarrassed yeah i was well, like even, oh that was unusual that was like very lucky yeah but like, you right. know, I, I'm pretty good at creature. Actually, I really love creature. Yes. It's just like mm -hmm. it vibes with me. That was a great. And game. so, yes. yeah, I, I beat someone. I was like, hey, I, actually, I'm like pretty good at creature. Like, let me show you my tactic. And which is like, just try and try and hit that move your car as soon as you can and collect the the film along the way. But like you can mm -hmm. they were trying to get FILM. And I'm like, ah, you can get a decent bonus from that. But if you just go for move your car and if you can really practice nailing that every yeah. time, then mm -hmm. you like that more than makes up for the point difference. And so it's like, oh, OK, cool. I have a great strategy for creature. I can hang with that. Now I need to learn the strategy for like 80 more games. <laughs> you know, I'm like and there's mm -hmm. a new I'm like, OK, now I got to learn the Foo Fighters. Now I got to learn the Bond one. So that's the one thing where I'm like, oh, this is a lot of work if you want to like stay sharp. And so like, yes. Yeah. Well, and it's harder too because, like, when I first got into it ten years ago, the biggest strategies were for the '90s Belly Williams mm -hmm. games. It was like mm -hmm. making sure you just shoot left orbit on Theater of Magic oh, yeah, yeah. over yes. and over and over sure. until 
tell, it tells you to shoot. I think it's still the left orbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and you'll blow up your score that way. Or giant mnemonic. It was light spinner and spin oh, I the love spinner, Johnny. You know, they have so, one of those here, yeah. and I just like I love giant mnemonic. It's super underrated. Now it's like. Now Godzilla, it's like, well, I could go for yeah, damage. There are five bonus. different ways you can yeah. do it. Well, okay, but that, that speaks to that speaks to how well balanced yes. modern games. Mm-hmm. I mean, modern games have really taken, especially Stern, have taken that tournament friendly vibe where they don't want the one path to a big score. Mm-hmm. They want yeah. to say, look, you can go this way, you can go that way, yeah. you can create your own and you can still build a score, have it be fun, but not always have to take the same Mm -hmm. path. Yeah. And when I, another really interesting thing that Keith talked about is he was like, you know, we'll put some multi balls close to the start. So they're pretty easy to get. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you start off the gimme. Yeah. The gimme's. Yep. Yep. Avengers, you got a thought. It's pretty, you can start that Thor by accident if you're not careful, you know, like, so if, I usually yeah, if do. Someone's, yeah. you know, you want to try and save that and, and, you know, for when you're in a gem quest, but also if like someone doesn't know anything about that or is just there to like flip and have a good time, they have a pretty high likelihood of accidentally starting Thor if they're just flipping around. They're like, oh my God, multi ball. And like that stuff is like really yeah. fun. You want to make it accessible. And I feel like when I, when mm-hmm. I go to bars, I'll see people hop on Godzilla and just having a blast, you know, like people mm-hmm. really have fun with that game. And, and that's really what it's about. It's like, what's fun and enjoyable. And then other stuff, you know, yeah. you can be ahead and you can be like, oh yeah, I really like this like one specific thing, but like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. then you can't bring your friends, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I try and bring my friends who like, are much more i mean i'm a medium but i try and bring my like super casual friends and then i'm just now starting to make friends in new york who are like hardcore and i'm like oh you guys are on a different plane i don't know if i'll ever get there they're totally on i i I can't get that i just respect and admire and hang out and try and like learn a little but like you know i got other hobbies too it's not just football (laughs) like some people that's their you ever want to if you ever want to melt your brain on tournament talk just talk to Travis Murray. Yeah. Holy Travis. crap. He's a top 10 player so of the world. Well, no, he's, he's 24. I just <laughs> pulled it off. Sorry. And I apologize. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. The and other 23 that I just shortchanged. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'll put it this way. So 21, 22, 23, 24. Let's see if you've heard these names. Josh Sharp. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Keith Elwin. Okay. <laughs> Eric Stone. Okay. Don't know. Travis okay. Murray. So that's really good company. And then just two above him is Colin McAlpine. And these guys are crazy, crazy okay. good. Yes. Here's my rank. I'm number 16,813. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 260th yeah. in New York out of, let me see here. We got. 513 so i'm i'm like right in the middle in new york you know not too bad but uh you know i it's like it's fun well okay so let (laughs) let me point that out though that shows that there is a very tight demographic that is bundled in the middle Mm -hmm. of of saying hey we're really okay maybe at the beginning i guess however you want to say it but like once you get beyond like the top 500 top thousand 
then it really goes into very casual. Mm -hmm. So it shows how much, how much reach even casual players can have in pinball. And you're the perfect example where you don't have machines. Like you have to travel to them and you are, I guess the beauty and the curse of what you're doing is that you don't have to worry about investing in a game but you're also beholden to whatever. Yeah, have. it's re you're, that's why I'm on these hunts. It's like if I right. could, if I had space, I would totally get, you know, like a, a Doctor Who or something like and every yeah. once in a while, I'll hop on the marketplace and just be like on on pin side. Like, that's the only reason I go to that is just go, how much would that run me? And you're like, ah, you know, even if I had an extra five grand, I, where would I put this thing? Come on, you could you, you could put it. You, you could put an apartment. Come oh, on, my yeah. neighbor would not be stoked. He already has to hear me like playing music all the time, like and looping the same part of a podcast over and over. <laughs> I don't want to put him through <laughs> anything else. You could put headphones on him. Actually, that yeah. that's your key. Get a modern yeah. game. Get a headphone jack. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, even just that's like the mechanics. It's like you know, I can hear my uh, my next door neighbor like walking i can hear their floorboards creaking like that's the new york life like oh, it's wow. real thin walls yeah, nice. so but you just have to kind mm -hmm. of pretend like in, in like sometimes you'll hear someone i'll hear my downstairs neighbor have a loud conversation where he's all hyped up and i just have to like you're like but he can't hear me right like you just have to like right yeah no no no, no. suspension <laughs> of disbelief i'm in the bubble yeah <laughs> so that's why i like coming to this studio it's like you know, I, I come in here once or twice a week and you're just like, all right, I can crank the speakers up and I can mix and I know I'm not bothering anyone or if I'm talking like it's just going to be totally isolated. So I would love to to get right. my own studio and I would love to get my own uh, pinball room. And so who knows, you know, maybe if I'm if I like get married and have kids or something, I'll go back to Rhode Island and go like that's what one of my coworkers did. He just moved back to here. He moved to Rhode Island where his wife's from and just was like. Oh, we can buy a house here. Like we can't. It would be crazy to buy anything in New mm -hmm. York. Like there's just no reason to. Oh, so yeah. I go visit him, and I'm like, "Oh, this is nice." And then I go play. I go to the pinball museum. I'm like, "Oh, it'd be kind of fun to right out." But I mean, it's yeah. New York, baby. It's like the best city, you know. And yeah. uh, I yeah, there, I there's a new place on Long Island I want to check out that I think has like 100 machines or something. It's like just opened up a couple months ago no oh, good and uh, there's some places in New Jersey where you can like go play a lot of stuff. So that's that's my next thing is like round up a little posse borrow someone's car go like spend two hours on a train and go be like all right this place has like a ton of like 80s gottlieb i'm gonna check this out you know <laughs> it's my next move so well I, I will say there is a guy in new york that you should probably uh find out his name is charles what's up and Charles? Hit he's, me up. yeah yeah, definitely. He can uh, he can take you on the tour. Oh, yes. He's actually really good friends with Sunshine, and he kn he knows about okay. all that stuff. He even has a big Lebowski. Oh. So if you've ever wanted to play there's, one of those, there's actually go, a couple go, of those. There's Charles one in Sunshine, up. and there's one at Rulo's across yep. the street in Buttermilk. So I, I play that all. I actually like. I love Lebowski. I think it's great. Well, okay, Charles. It's M A R T I N at nine nine p i dot org. Hit me up. There you go. <laughs> Drop there me you a go. line. You're, you're in uh, trust me. I probably shouldn't be he giving my respond. email out on the internet, but it's yeah. only that's email okay. me it's, it's if fine. you have, or if you have a really good idea for a story that's not pinball. Email or me. if you're a Nigerian prince who wants to <laughs> smuggle money out of your country. Yeah, listen, so. you know, I have, 
I live in New York, which is not expensive at all. And so I have tons of disposable income to just like send, send around, you know, it's yeah. not a problem. All, all you need is, all they need is your social security number <laughs> just to verify it's you so they can send you. God, money. it must be exactly. so cheap living in Utah. I'm jealous of you guys. It's so expensive. <laughs> Actually, it used to be. In you the last see. in the last ten years, it's gone crazy. Well, I gotta say, yeah, man, a little bit. Just, okay, it's not New York no, crazy. Though, oh my god, no, no, it's outrageous here, especially like yeah, in the last year or two. But Salt Lake City rocks. Uh, you know, I'm I, I think it's a really underrated city. I think it's so cool. And uh, keep it that <laughs> way. Keep it that way. We're we're good. yeah. We're, the traffic's already yeah. bad. It's not. It's not East Coast bad because I used to live in DC, but it's. Uh, it's oh getting yeah, bad. and you guys have that giant yeah. streets. I've I've heard this story might be a po- You know, like this. I work on a show about history. I love kind of collecting these old stories. But sure. I heard a possibly apocryphal story that the streets were designed to be that wide so you could UE a horse-driven cart. Like that's why those streets are like six, seven lanes wide, hmm. so that you could like do a u-turn on a horse driven cart without having to go around the block even if it's apocryphal that, that sounds fun right it's like <laughs> it sounds cool because yeah. it i this was uh well utah at least from the uh the anglo-saxon settlers of utah I and mean, they were all mormon pioneers yeah yeah so they came and they it was set up by the a grid system yeah and so which it's know, actually like pretty so easy then, to get around i you know <laughs> oh it's super easy yeah it's uh, i'm Okay, when I moved to D.C. 15 years ago, oh, more than 15. Wow. That was the first time I actually bought a Garmin because <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, but all roads spontaneously end up at the at the Washington Monument. I have no <laughs> idea why I always ended yeah. up there, but I was always so lost because it was so difficult to get around. Now you have GPS and it's not a big Oh, my God. That was like a revolutionary system back then. Because everything was so confusing. Oh, my first couple of tours, 2009, 2010, no one had, I, like, iPhones had just come out, but, like, no one mm-hmm. had them yet. And I was, like, printing out MapQuest directions. Like, yep, MapQuest. Like, I still, yep. maybe it was Google Maps at that point, but, like, yeah, I definitely would print out driving directions from, like, all right, we're going from, like, Atlanta to Raleigh. Like, all right, we're print out my directions whatever like that was how i started out touring so that gives you an idea of like you know it was it was a different time and you know now it's it's talking to your kids they must think that like we came from the stone age or like how did you ever get lost and i'm like okay let me just tell you how difficult it was on a car trip you had to keep visual contact of the car in front of you Because if you got lost, then you had to say, well, they could either be 10 miles behind us or 10 miles in front, but we have no idea how to hook up. I mean, yeah, seriously. Yeah. You got to pull that's over and crazy, wait. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's not that long yeah. ago. Well, I always love, yeah. you know, I've been in New York for about five years now. I I was, you know, at first really like, oh, I got a map everywhere. But now it's like, um, I love when you get to the point with the subway. I'm like... Uh, Google Maps. Mm-hmm. I I have a better idea here. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I I'm I got this. Don't worry about it. Life I, I got you. I got but you. uh, yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. Uh, New York rules. I'm trying to make some pinball friends here. You guys have my email now. So if you uh want to be friends and go play some pinball, get in touch. And also, it's just like people are so friendly. Like I've made a lot of friends just like you know. Yeah, New York is known for being friendly. No, it's true. People don't (laughs) believe me. Well, also, I'm just a friendly person. I like going around chatting people up. But like, man, I I can't tell you how many times 
you know, you're just flipping and you just like talk to someone and chit chat and make friends. And it's like, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And so I, I've, I've gotten some tips that way and like made some connections and it's just like a, it's a nice hangout. I just, I, yeah, I wish there were more older machines. That's my one critique. So if, if yeah. you own a bar in New York and you want to like get some pinheads together, <laughs> like people can play Stern anywhere. You need a co-op. You need a co-op. That's oh, does that exist? Pinball co-ops? Yeah. So Rochester. Whoa. Okay, so you were talking mind. earlier about Delaware. So Rochester, our friend uh, Bruce Nightingale from the Slam Tilt podcast, he's up there Rochester. down in Delaware. So the Delaware Collective is uh um Fox. So oh, yeah, Joe Fox. Yep. Joe Fox, yeah. So uh and th- they have him in, in Portland too. So there are what? people who don't have the space, but they're like, Hey, we do a co-op, and so when people buy games, they put him in. It's, yeah. it's a cool like communitarian view of like-minded pinheads who just want to play. So that's, Hey, maybe, maybe that's something I, I know it's completely different in New York or even warehouse spaces. Oh, I mean, you know, there's always places in like Ridgewood or Bushwick or ever like if hey, okay. M A R T I N at nine, nine PI.org. If you want to get a warehouse together, if you've got a whodunit and want to convert it into a Columbo with me, Oh, the go. other one actually yes. that I really I, okay maybe you guys have hot gas. I want them to do a Dune. I love Dune, and I'm hoping Dune oh, yeah. would be Why interesting. Be rad- actually, Dune would be an because it can one. be one of those ones where like some of them are very some of the themed ones are very literal, and some of them you know are just like kind of drawing vibes. And so like you could just do like ride the sandworm or whatever. You don't have to like be mm-hmm. super literal at Dune. It's it's just like there could be all kinds of cool ideas with it. And, you know, you could take one of these, you know, like what they did with the Beatles where they're just like, oh, no, we're just going to take a table and kind of refresh it. You could do one of these like water sure. worlds or Stargates or Congos or something. You can just like give a fresh coat of paint and put some sandworms on there. And, you know, I'd be content with that. Starship <laughs> Troopers. Like, you, you know, there's some space ones already existing. You just have a good time. So yeah. Dune is like this weird like point of. Oh, it's 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 a super deep dive. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, the, it, I haven't gotten into it. I've watched the David Lynch one and the new one. I got the book and haven't yeah. read it. But it's this hilarious point of contention on our staff where like a couple people yeah. feel really strongly pro and a couple feel really strongly uh, con. And it's like it's become a bit to debate it. It's the pro Dune. And yeah. The and when, when we have guests yeah. at the meetings or if we have a new hire or something, the the first question is like, what do you think about dune and then there's like groans everyone's like no don't start this and then it's like all right be careful and then you know the last person we asked was like oh i haven't seen it and it was like good the only safe answer (laughs) don't get a dune take but i love dune the 19 the 1980s show though was so confusing that they actually printed out the movie movie, yeah, the movie was Sting. It was yeah. so confusing because if you didn't read the book, you had oh, yeah. no idea what was going on. They finally printed out like these handouts to hand to people when they bought their tickets to explain oh, the man. story. I mean, I it's not it's as good, but I do kind of. I I am a big like, I'm just like a big film guy. I love David Lynch, and you know, like sure. I actually have just been. I've, I'm almost done watching all of his. I've been on like this quest recently, so I was like, all right, I got to watch Dune. I was like, oh, this kind of rocks, and the CG is like pretty cool like i love like janky 80s cg it's like a little mm-hmm. low budge and so it's like you know like these older games we're talking about or like um you know i was telling scott earlier that you know in like april or may 2020 i like ordered some kits and i built 
uh, with a Raspberry Pi built a Super Nintendo and a Game Boy. And it's just like, I don't know, man, something about Super Nintendo level. Like, that's exactly where I am. And, you know, the there's limitations. But then within that, you can do cool stuff. So I love when I'm watching old, like an old Sam Raimi movie. And you're just like, yeah, there's like janky mm-hmm. blood spurting everywhere. But like, it's like fun and silly. And I kind of prefer that to like more modern stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I love yeah. it. But yeah, okay. So anyway, Dune, Dune and Columbo, those are my pitches. Or if anyone wants to make a 99 PI pinball game, we got a lot of ideas. You there know, you go. it's like yes. uh, we have this slogan, uh, always read the plaque. You know, like a lot of times we'll tell a story and then the button will be like, and if you go there, there's a plaque that tells you the story. And so that's like one of our slogans. And it's like, that would be the, uh, you know, that, that could be one of the modes or whatever. We do a lot of train stories. You could do the little Cactus Canyon train thing you know like we so there if anyone wants to do an IMPI pinball machine it would be really cool uh, you know i don't know how many it would sell you should hit but... up uh matt and rebby hardy from wwe wrestling what yeah. they they know a gentleman that has made their own their own ferris bueller's Whoa, day off cool and and then they also made a uh house of hardy pinball machine because he won like i think they named it a quest for gold because he's won titles oh, he's like a wrestler WWE yeah and stuff like that Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. My my taste is so. too esoteric. I'm like pushing pushing my Columbo agenda. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that that that's okay. I'd take a Babylon Five. There, oh. There's like tons of Star Trek ones. Let's let's do a Babylon. You 5 know what? One. I I just I watched wanna... Stargate. I was like, oh, Stargate would be good too. Like a real good Stargate, not the shoot the bear. Yeah, that the... game's like fun. Yeah. But th- I watched the movie. Yeah. I was like, this movie rocks. Like this movie's really. Mm. I was oh, all I, in. I, I like the movie. I, I yeah. think it's fun. It's the fir- It's the only time that James Spader actually didn't play <laughs> the evil guy. It's like the one. The yeah, one show. It, I was like, yeah, and it's. I think the guy who did like Independence Day, right? I'm like, oh, this is a cool blockbuster, even if you mm. don't know all the lore or whatever. So. Yeah, or I watched Starship Troopers, which, you know, I, I like the Starship Troopers pinball, but I was like, oh, this movie's like pretty fun. Like, I went on a Paul Verhoeven deep mm-hmm. dive too. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's so funny to look at some of the IP that like they were just taking swings and you're like, sure, Lethal Weapon 3. Why not? <laughs> you know, like, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the Johnny Mnemonic oh, game, yeah, the yeah. funny thing is, okay, did, did you hear the story no. on that? <laughs> so they Great actually, movie. so it was George yeah. Gomez. Yeah, so George Gomez. Well, okay, so it actually wasn't that no. good of a, a movie. It, it bombed. Yeah, it didn't uh, do well, but, but I love he, it. Uh, the designer, he went, he went, and they gave him like a preview, and he watched the movie, and he got back, and he called Williams and was like, "Can we get out of this license?" <laughs> oh my god, of course. No, I'm a sucker for mid '90s like internet site, like hackers yeah. and the net and stuff. So I watched Dying Demonic. Yeah. Oh, the net was so. Oh, wasn't that the one where the internet was taking over and like exploding power lines when they were trying or the Sandra? Yeah, Bullock yeah, that's one. the one. And like yeah. right at the beginning, yeah. she goes to like pizza.com and orders a pizza, and I was like, "It's real." Yeah. Like I love that. Or like, yeah, ha- I just watched yeah. rewatched Hackers recently. Like I love those like early '90s internet <laughs> movies, and I think that's why I like Dying Demonic also because yeah, it's not so literal. They're like here get some megabytes or whatever <laughs> like I, I i love that stuff so i'd love to see some more esoteric things but also you know they got big licenses this is yeah. a big it's a bigger market now they can't do like world cup and just have that little cute little yeah. dog back no. there you know yeah yeah but doggy soccer i'm from argentina yeah. so it's like this was a huge world cup year for me so if they want to do a world cup oh, update yeah. with messi i i would 
I'd oh, buy go. that for a dollar. Are you excited I, that Messi's coming to the U.S.? In, yeah, now you can go see him in yeah, uh, Miami. I, I really want yeah. to. I've like never seen him play in person. And also the World Cup uh, next next one, the all the semifinals and finals are going to be here. And, you know, I have like yeah. my uncles and cousin went to Qatar and they saw the finals and like were there and cheering. I was like, oh, man, that it. He keeps saying he's going to retire, but he might come back. On, it's, yeah. Like, that's the only sport I care about is every four years, I'm like, I want Argentina to win. <laughs> yep. Well, you time. got one. <laughs> yeah, that was right. Broke the old uh, uh, Maradona curse. Yeah, oh my God. Curse. That was, like, th- and that was like three months before I was born. I just missed it. Uh, so I was, mm. I was hyped up in my lifetime. So anyway, if you guys want to do a new World Cup, you know, I would, I would, that would get my seal of approval <laughs> feature Definitely. Messi prominently, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. One, one thing though, cause you said Dune Stern was trolling last week that they were at the licensing app, licensing convention in Vegas and Gary Stern did take pictures in front of the Dune. Yes. So oh my God. We'll what see if they do. Wait, what's Dune. the license? Uh, the one I was more excited about that no one's pointed out. I was like, Scott, did you see he was in front of obviously Green Day stuck out? I was like, Yes, there was Green Muse. Day and Lizzo, but Muse, Muse in the bottom Ad- left Muse? of that picture. Did you say Muse? Muse? Like, like Musely? Muse. Muse. <laughs> Muse, the band Muse. The band oh, Muse. I don't really yeah. know them at all, but I would someone did love someone old. did them at karaoke. You need to get into What's them. the song Black Holes something? Yeah, Black Holes. Someone did that yeah. at karaoke yep. and just blew me away. Really? That's... It, yeah, the guy was oh, hitting oh, all okay. the parts. I was like, this band is crazy. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know them, yeah. but yeah, you know, like if they yeah. did what, like the music that I, no one's ever going to do a table of what I, it'd be like the Ahmad Jamal, like, or Chico Hamilton, like old jazz guys tables. Like no one's going to buy them. <laughs> like, yeah. No one's well, jazz Josh, guy. Josh wants the Aquabats. Did they take a picture in front of Aquabats? Wait, okay, real quick before we go, what's this licensing convention? This is crazy. So the, whoever owns the IP to all just, these things shows up and wheeling mm-hmm. and dealing? Yeah, mm-hmm. so what it is is every year they have a big licensing convention down in Vegas. Oh. They go down there and essentially all the IPs down there set up booths and they go around and they discuss what the, you know, if, if their product mixing and mingling with pinball or whatever's whoever's down there makes sense and they, they kind of talk some numbers they may even lock in a license at yeah. that point. Uh, it's kind of a showcase. He took pictures in front of Barbie and Tupac. Oh, Barbie and... machine would rock. Where's the Barbie machine? <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I think Barbie, I, I'm so, like Barbie and Oppenheimer together. I want to see both of them. I'm so excited. So yeah. They'd be... That would be an interesting mashup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, together. Like they, they can do two yeah. skins of the same machine. That would rule. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, yeah. I'm so hyped. So yeah, I hope they make a Barbie machine. That would absolutely rip. I would, I would almost guarantee that there's going to be a, a muse. What would muse? I hope that didn't sound mean because I, because we talked about muse before. So that's I was why like, I who's muse. But, but I, I think it's really up to the aisle of what they're doing right now with mm-hmm. Foo Fighters and stuff like that. I think, and I almost guarantee there's a Green Day. I with It would not Good. shock me in the Green next Day would be great years. if it were American oh, Idiot. Oh, my other. I think American Idiot, anything, anything before that, like if they did a Dookie and. Mm-hmm. Nimrod and stuff. Okay, like here's that as my well. pitch. If any certain people are listening, ABBA, ABBA would sell so much. Oh my god, I would die. Well, for ABBA. Yeah, there's an. El- 
there's an Elton John oh, coming I out. Love like Elton they John. haven't announced it, but it's it's I mean, open rumored. secret. It's, yeah, rumor, <laughs> open secret that uh, Jersey Jack's. Oh, gonna be I'm gonna on. shred some. I love Elton. That should be the Yellow Brick December. Road. I can't hit those notes, or that would be my yep. karaoke song. But yeah, mm. I, I know so many people who go crazy for like the Mamma Mia movies, and like those songs are so catchy because mm. you know, like the Foo Fighters are cool, but I'm I don't. You know, I listened to it a lot when I was a teenager. I don't need to yeah. like hear every Foo Fighter song again every time I play. So a lot of the ones on location actually mm. now have the volume turned down a bit because it's like otherwise mm. they would the bartenders would like flip the machine over if they heard Everlong. Would one go more crazy. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's one place mm. where it's like almost completely off, and I'm like, I don't know, that's fine. <laughs> like I've heard plenty of it, it's movies. like in uh in Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Hey, no stairway to hell. <laughs> <No> stairway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, okay. So we've we've got some ideas, Stern. If you're listening, you know you can go back through yeah. uh, if if you want my consultation on like a, an ABBA machine or or a Columbo machine. Like you know, maybe a little John Cassavetes yeah. mode. You know, we 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 corner the market on like film dorks. You know, I, I can I can help you with a Criterion themed uh, machines if you want. <laughs> so you know, hit me up. Yeah. You've got you guys have my email several times at this point. I was going to say, if you if you do want people to get a hold of you, what is that email oh, again, Martin? It's martin at 99pi.org, but only if you want to be friends and play some cool pinball, or if you have a really good story idea, don't send me a boring story idea. <laughs> send me a good one. But yeah, um, And also I'm, plug your podcast. I'm gonna go plug, to, I want to go to this licensing convention. I'm going to see if they'll send me. That sounds fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. 99% visible. I mix it every week. We're, it's a bunch of geniuses that I work with. I'm like, you know, stoner musician guy surrounded by like the most insane, incredible journalists. So I'm always proud to support them. And and I'm happy they let me come on two or three times a year and just do a dumb like music story or something. So I have a I have some cool ones in the pipeline. But, you know, I just I mix the show every week. So I that's my main thing. And then I go when I have something I'm super interested about, I'll tell a story about it. I'm on Twitter a lot. I, that's my only social media, which is uh, it's Verispeeder, like an old tape Verispeed. So V-A-R-I-S-P-E-E-D-E-R, Verispeeder. And you got my email. That's the only stuff I have. I don't know. I don't have that much to plug. So yeah, hit me up if you're in New York and want to play some pinball and are a nice person. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, we are Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. Also, all of our socials, that includes YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, which honestly, we don't post anything on TikTok, but Twitter, all at Loser Kid Pinball. Hit us up there. I actually even did like a link tree. So if you go to our Facebook or to our Instagram, you can just click that. It'll take you to the merch website, silverballswag.com slash loser kid. I'll take you our sweet, sweet shoes. You know, you're going to want a pair for October when we come out and everyone's wearing their shoes. And you're going to wish you like, oh. I didn't get the memo. You're getting the memo right now. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, what, what you got for us, Scott? Send us out. You know what? I'm really looking forward to our uh, 3.0 hats that are in development. So definitely uh, look for those too. So anyway, leave us a review, subscribe, all that fun it's stuff. And be nice to get a few. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're, we'll Sick. send you one. We have to. We want to get some more updated uh, reviews. So sounds good. Thank right, you. Talk to you in two-ish weeks. Thanks, okay. Bye. Shut up and sit down.